Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, I'm Scott Sajnik. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Players Get Equity Sports Business Podcast, the Sportacast. Yo, I love this. Take a look at the video. And for those that are just listening, I can't help you. We got this new video platform, though. Nice little draw. That handheld, right? You no, just did oh, a little freeform. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, what, but this Sportacast, like, why is it pointing to you and not you and me? You know I'm going to be next to you. I, w- I probably should have done yeah, this. Like, hey, me, look yeah. at me and my show. Because when we when we when we post these, Scott, we end up on top and bottom. So I think maybe in the future I'll have an arrow pointing up yeah, or down yeah, yeah. to and you. And I as see well. your, yeah. look at your creativity. The dollar sign in Cavenders, dollar <laughs> sign in Hertz. Uh, look at so almost teasing what we're we. This is like our our. We have no budget for the show. Pardon the interruption. <laughs> rundown on the right side. Like what's that coming is up? Exactly right. Yeah. Way to go. This is really. I. How often do I pray when you deserve praise, Novi Williams? This you went above and beyond. This is Thank fantastic. You, Very Thank well done. And I know you're on short rest and sleep after traveling a couple of places. So maybe that's your secret. You work better fatigued. Uh, yeah, if that's true, I would also not want uh, want my bosses uh, you to understand that because <laughs> <laughs> I because I can work you to the ground if you need to. No, you, you and I are similar uh, are similar creatures of exhaustion and fatigue while chasing stories. So that's it's all right. good. All right, so let me look at the rundown. We were going to start. You, all right, you said NBA players get equity. Oh, I'm looking there. It says NBA. All right. Um, something that Michelle Roberts first said, by the way, Michelle's a friend, God almighty, the former executive director of the NBPA, Michelle brought up the topic of players getting equity, how many, probably a three years ago, yeah. right? On one of, one of the Sportacast uh, live events in, in COVID. And I, I can tell you this, that it was universally laughed off. It was universally laughed off by owners, by people at the NBA, pie in the sky, no way. And it was just a measure of what, what we hear every time during during negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement and the year or so before CBA that, oh, look at what the franchise values have done. Look at the escalation in franchise values. If we're really partners, shouldn't the players share in that? And then what do you hear from the other side, Evan? The owners will say, whoa, 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 whoa. We're the only ones taking risk here. Which, by the way, I poo-pooed for years until COVID struck, and I'm like, oh, look, revenue down to zero. <laughs> or mostly like, broadcast revenue kept going after a while. But nothing in the arenas. I'm like, ooh, all right, I didn't see you know, COVID and coming and nothing, no fans, no anything. So uh, I'm, I'm really impressed that in that short time frame, like I'm not surprised that players said we want it. I am not surprised back then that owners in the league kind of laughed at it. And I'm kind of impressed at in such a short time frame that not only were owners 
open and willing. I mean, of course, it, it's not exactly that they get a piece of the team, you know, in your traditional sense, but it's in the sort of private equity, private uh, capital model where they can, as a group, invest in clubs, and it seems to have satisfied both parties. Yeah, that's the news here. In the new CBA uh, that the NBA and NBA players are in the process of, of ratifying, it gives the NBPA and its players uh, an, an opportunity to, as a group, as, as a single fund, invest into franchises. And, and you nailed it, Scott. The argument from players has always been, sure, we share about 50% of the revenue, but we share in 0% of the appreciation. So when someone like Robert Sarver, who bought a team for whatever it was, $90 million gets to sell it for $4 billion. Um, that first number might actually not be right. But when, when people sell sell teams for, for billions of dollars more than what they bought them for, players obviously don't share in that. And under the new CBA, we don't have full details yet. The, the, the PA is currently talking to potential private equity funds or, or people who might be able to run this for them. But the NBPA is going to be able to set aside some money to invest in, in teams. And, and this is obviously not going to be every team. Not every owner is going to want to take money off the table and sell to to the NBPA fund. But uh, for a lot of the reasons you and I talk about, it feels like every week um, owners are looking for 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 an ability to sell minority stakes to people, to funds, to to unions in this case. Uh, and uh, this is going to be an option for them. My question for you, Scott, is this uh, five years from now, uh, NHLPA, MLBPA, NFLPA, does any other major union yes. in U.S. sports have this option? I just answered. Do I have to do more? Yes, yes. Yeah. This is precedent. I'm not surprised that the NBA, they have a lot of leverage, star-driven league. Uh, yeah, I, th I think this absolutely will catch on and probably last in the NFL because they'll be the last to accept some sort of private capital and and who knows what form that'll be. Oh, I got a little hair on my microphone that bothers me. It's like if I'm breathing close, it was moving a little bit, so it was really bothering me. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised if the other leagues and the other unions sort of get together and say, all right, if this is another way to to kind of foster a better relationship between management and labor and like, who cares? Like, do they really care the owners if they're bringing in a fund? Do I care if it's Arctos? Do I care if it's 777? Do I care if it's Dial? Do I care if it's Dynasty? To me, everybody's looking for the details. From what I understand from the highest echelons of both league and union, that if you go back like to 100-year-old securities law and labor law, like right now, uh, folks would be put in jail. It would just be a violation of securities law uh, to just have them investing in in the uh, in the hmm. league in some way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I got to get McCann on this I, to to look exactly what it was. But they are certainly looking for a way to find a vehicle in which this can happen. But they have to make sure, of course, it doesn't run afoul of the law. Both sides kind of agreed and said, yeah, you know, if you look at whatever, the 1920 whatever act. So there, it is it is a problem, but they do need to figure it. And everybody wants the details. I get it. Uh, is, are they going to take just one fund? Are they going to take two? Are the NBA, uh, NBA players going to have their own investment vehicle by which? We, we don't know that yet. But one thing that I think will be fun to do and I haven't done it in a while, if folks aren't aware that because it's a union, they do have to, of course, make filings. Um, we can check out the LM2, it's called, and kind of see how much cash on hand the players have right now. And then we can sort of track and you can see uh, from year to year what investments they have and how they've done. It'd be really interesting to see um, how they track for these investments and if we can see if they're doing well or not. The two things I was going to say, fascinated to see how the players decide to fund this 
vehicle and 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 how much they decide to put towards it and then two on the back end what what a sale looks like at some point down the line if, if the pa has five percent of i'm going to pick a random team here the minnesota timberwolves uh, if they decide at some point that you know we want to get out of this the the valuation is is high on the specific team what kind of sale rights that that entity is going to have vis-a-vis the control owner there's a lot of really interesting wrinkles here scott that i think we will we'll probably be getting into at a later date once we really understand the mechanism here. There's also, and you and Kurt Bodenhausen broke some news last week about the CBA. There's some other parts of the CBA that loosen restrictions on players uh, surrounding their investments. One of them uh, allowing players for the first time to invest in independent uh, WNBA teams. I think there's obvious reason why why both sides might might want that, um, and the other uh, loosening the restrictions around players who are investing in businesses that are also have NBA owners or the as other investors. way around or owners' abilities to go jump in a business where an, an NBA player is already. Yeah. I think the limit was what five percent. Do I have that right? I, th- I believe previously, if somebody had more than five percent, you could not like an owner had a five percent stake in a company, player yeah. could not enter. They, gotcha. they could not be a co investor. That that. That cushion is being raised up to 12.5%, greatly opening uh, some space where owners and players can do things together. And this makes perfect sense to me. And and I still want to examine this thought concept of owners and players as partners. Because for years, Evan, you know, I have said, I laugh every time I hear, and it normally comes from the ownership side. Like, let's call it what, what it what is. Owners normally would say, oh, this is a partnership. It's a partnership. Show me five NFL players who view themselves as partners of the NFL owner. Show me five, right? Look, go to baseball, the mistrust that's been in baseball. Show me five MLB players who say, yes, I feel a real kinship, a real partnership with my owner and the other owners in baseball. Same on the NHL side. I know that's not true with Don Fear, and, and, and uh, although he's, he's no longer there, but I, I, mean, I use that as an example because Don, of course, started, you know, really, he was responsible for that really strong baseball union, and he brought that mentality to the hockey union as well. I think we're seeing for the first time a really the first time in U.S. pro team sports where labor and management, I understand it's not in a traditional sense. I got it. But a feeling of kinship, of partnership, of I'm listening to your concerns. Let's see if there's a way that we can alleviate them. How can we do things together? And I go back to my Grant Hill model because he's you know one of the smartest guys uh, that I, I talked to and former player, current player, doesn't matter. Grant, when he was on the road during road trips, would meet with the opposing team owners, understanding that was that he could glean great things from these people who had been successful in business. He knew that those relationships would help him down the road. It's the same thing now. If I'm an NBA player, why wouldn't I want to co-invest with Ryan Smith and Steve Ballmer, Jim Dolan? Why wouldn't I want to do those things? They are experts in their fields. Of course, I want to... I want to not only be able to tap their brains and say, what do you think? I want to run something by you. I want to do something by myself. Would you like to you know, help me out here? You want to introduce me to somebody? That makes perfect sense. Everybody wins. It's the first true, and I'm using the air quotes, if you're not like partnership we've seen between labor and management and U.S. pro sports. I think that's right. One thing I would say, the, the, the raising this number from 5% to 12.5% doesn't feel to me like it's a huge difference, right? That. How many companies are there out there that that NBA owners own more than five percent of, but less than twelve and a half 
percent of, right? I mean, my first thought here was, can Kevin Durant invest alongside Josh Harris in the Commanders? He can't, obviously, right? Because Josh is going to have more than more than twelve more than twelve and a half percent of of the NFL team. But it, it, in my mind, yeah, the the five percent to twelve and a half percent actually just seems like a very small, by the way, fairly arbitrary. I, I got to jump in. A great question. Yeah. I'm not sure if KT could be an, a part of an LP just because it's another team. I, I'm wondering not. I'm 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 curious. I'm not sure. You okay. Know, KD has the team logo tattooed on his body. You know, I he, know, he would, and I, he would love to be I a member of he would an love LP to. in that ownership group. Another one that I thought of, uh, Michael Rubin. That's um, the one I thought of too. Uh, of course, and, and and so Fanatics is a is a majority owner of Mitchell and Ness as of a year and a half ago. Shortly after Michael sold out of the 76ers and the Devils, he announced a huge investment from a lot of active uh, and, and former uh, NBA players and athletes and other sports. You but can just again, see Michael going, oh, now you change the rules? <laughs> yes, but again, it, to my point, it, the Fanatics owns more than 50% of Mitchell and Ness, right? So this, this 5% to 12.5% actually doesn't change things in, in that specific example. I do. Part of me does wonder uh, how, how actually different, how many companies fall in the middle of those two numbers that really make a difference when this change takes effect. Sounds to me like you have something to track. This is something to look into. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, three years into this, uh, what we do, we uh, described as a monumental change. Uh, there are zero players <laughs> investing alongside owners, or owners investing alongside players because they have thirteen point two percent of the company. Yeah, it it's just to me, it shows a willingness to listen and address concerns. And the big one, obviously, I think, was the ability to um, to invest in the league itself. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it, it just makes perfect sense that the players want to feel a sense of, you know, I'm I'm benefiting far beyond just my paycheck. And by the way, those are pretty substantive paychecks. I get it. But you also have players more and more, and in the NBA we see it all the time, who have ownership aspirations. Very interested to see what LeBron James does when the Las Vegas team, is he still going to be playing when a Las Vegas team comes about? Will he partner with somebody? Imagine as an active player, oh, you know, can I, can I get in on a group here? I mean, depending on who it is. And I get it. But the fact that they sat down and they said, all right, tell us your principal concerns and we will try and address them. They came up with a vehicle or at least have agreed to come up with a vehicle that addresses those, those concerns. That is a significant change from just three years ago where Michelle Roberts threw out an idea and once again, I will repeat, was universally laughed off. Uh, by NBA owners and some league personnel. That is a that is a huge change in a short period of time. So Scott, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the Cavender Twins. That's uh, what it says on the board behind you. That's what it says on the board behind <laughs> me. Last week, the Cavender Twins, uh, college basketball players who played last year at Miami, um, extremely famous on the internet, uh, announced that they were not going to be returning to college basketball for their fifth and final year of eligibility. This week, uh, they announced that they are joining Better, the sports betting platform launched recently by Jake Paul. They're going to be joining on the media side. They took their podcast twin talk over there they're going to be doing more content stuff heads of um, content yeah and, and and the kind of deal again because this is a betting company not a deal i think they would have been able to do if they were were active college athletes um but the interesting thing here to me scott that the cavenders 
are, um, on, in my opinion, on the NIL Mount Rushmore. They are the the perfect example of uh, athletes who really took their new marketing rights to, to, to new heights, made millions with a plural, millions of dollars last year uh, playing basketball at Miami. And I think it's notable that, that, that given all of that background and the huge economic opportunity that was there for them for one more year, if they wanted to continue playing college basketball, decided, you know what? We don't need it. <laughs> the, 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 the Cavender influencer empire has outgrown college basketball. Uh, and I do think it is an interesting way to look at NIL, right? Where there are, there are players like Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, who we've talked about, who are tremendous college basketball players, will be playing in the WNBA, and their stardom is tied so directly to how good they are on the court playing college basketball. And then there are very good college basketball players like the Cavender Twins, who, who maybe, maybe not, I don't know exactly, would have or, or, or may have a future in the WNBA, uh, who are also making a lot of NIL money in college. But for them, staying in college is actually not that tied, playing college basketball, not staying in college, playing college basketball is actually not that tied to their internet celebrity. And as a result, NIL is not enough to keep them in a Miami uniform next year. And I'm going to pay you a compliment and then I'm going to like dump on you. So, because you're really, <laughs> really smart. And I'm, well, I'm sure what you just said was great. I mean, I have I'd my like earphones so. in. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it was clear, concise, insightful, all of that stuff. But you, more than anybody else, except probably my wife, who's so tired of me by this point, like she, <laughs> you know how my brain works. Oh so you said something, and I started thinking about something, and I and really wasn't snowballed. listening to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I just kept thinking about it. And, I'm, and then I was trying to think about, I'm going to pose the question to you, and how is he going to respond? You know, you, you know how, my, again, you know how my brain works. So you said that they're on the Mount Rushmore of NIL yeah. early on. Now, first thing old, I said, <laughs> what, you missed yeah, the whole yes, thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I missed your whole thing. You, you started with a really <laughs> great guy. I'm sure, like, as I said, I'm sure it was really, really good and insightful and all of those things. But <laughs> I could not stop wondering how you, like, how are you going to answer this? Because on Mount Rushmore, I, there's Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt, Lincoln. There's only room for four. Yeah. Now, do the Cavender twins count, <laughs> count as, as two? One or two? I knew exactly where you were going. <laughs> see, you see, yes, you get me. So, are you utilizing two spaces on Mount Rushmore for the Cavender twins, or are we going to do a disservice to one of them and say they only count as one as a single entity? This <laughs> is what. This is how my brain works, which is why you now understand why I totally didn't hear what. You were saying it, it, it is a it, it is a great question. And I think. I, I think no, wait, no, can I guess which way you were going? Yeah, I think you're going to say they count as one. I <laughs> uh, I was going to say they count as one. Yes, but but they are so. I, I think they have have played this game so well that it is totally fair to give them two different slots. Right? They have four and a half million TikTok followers. They have combined one and a half million Instagram followers. I, I don't think it is a stretch to say that they are among the most famous college athletes uh, in the country right now. Could you stack them, if we were going to make a new Matt Rushmore, <laughs> could you put them, the Cavender twins, you know, above and below, vertically, and then add three more people horizontally and say, this is our new Matt Rushmore? What about f a, a, a split face where, split where face. the left side is Hannah and the right side is, is, uh, is Haley? How about I, that? I, I'm open to all <laughs> suggestions. I just, I, just wasn't, I just wanted to explain to you while whatever you said, I didn't get. Because that is what was running through my brain, which I think is totally fair. 
and, and you and I have talked in, in past episodes about this this interesting dynamic, pr- particularly in co- women's college basketball, where the opportunity or, and the, the pay opportunity in the WNBA and, and NIL is such that for some of these women, like Kevin Clark and Angel Reese and the Cavender yeah. Twins, it's more lucrative, it's better for their wallet to be playing college basketball right now than it is to be playing in the WNBA. And and again, the I don't know if the, the Cavenders have had or have aspirations of playing in the WNBA, but they are a different kind of celebrity. They are not a basketball celebrity. They are an internet celebrity. Um, and uh, that's also been extremely lucrative for them. And it clearly, Scott, will continue to be lucrative for them. Let's close here. If you can see the board behind me, I know, another wait, well, very lucrative opportunity. Well, I thought you were going to op- say another, another Mount Rushmore. But by the way, while, while you were talking <laughs> women's college basketball, how about Haley Van Lith? Like you see, she visited LSU. Okay. That would be dynamite. A- after all of the after all, drama between Louisville and, and LSU I, this year. I would watch the do- like the behind-the-scenes documentary of that team follow the season. There you go. That'd be pretty fun. Um, okay, let's, uh, before we go, Give me the let's Mount talk, Rushmore of NFL players now. Certainly financially. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, fresh off a Super Bowl run, signed a five-year, $255 million contract, Scott, from an average annual value. It is the biggest contract in NFL history. Uh, fifty-five point uh point one. Sorry, fifty-one point five million dollars a year. It, it it beats out the contract that Aaron Rodgers recently signed, which was a fifty million dollar deal. Um, it, it feels like every year now. Uh, or, or maybe multiple times a year, uh, we see an athlete, a quarterback, especially signing the most lucrative deal in NFL history, uh, particularly when it comes to guaranteed money. And I'm loving the story of the agent Nicole. Hundred yep. percent. Right, first big deal for Clutch. Um, but if, you, if people aren't aware, Nicole Lynn, I believe, sent an email to Jalen Hurts when he was done at college and said, hey, I don't know what you, you're doing, your future plans are, but you know, if you don't have an agent, I would love to talk to you. Uh, okay, and now she just signed the largest deal in NFL history with her client because she picked... I love the lesson here. It's not... It's not uh, uh, what, what's the saying I hate? I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I love be somewhere all the time. She was somewhere. She put herself somewhere and something great happened. That's a great sports business lesson. It it wasn't because she went to Harvard. It wasn't because whatever. She got in the door. You know why? Because she asked. She just asked the question. Hey, just curious. Would love to talk to you if you don't have an agent. I'm, I'm around. Would, would love to do it. Bam. Look look what happened. So um, uh, macro level here now from the NFL perspective, what does it tell me about the Deshaun Watson contract? You know, are we looking at a precedent of... Yeah, you know, if anybody could have had leverage here to get some guarantee, you know, the whole thing didn't happen. Um, you know, you're looking at one step closer to maybe it being an outlier, but you've got some pretty darn good quarterbacks who are about to come up with with deals that have a lot of leverage against their teams. So, so Watson getting the fully guaranteed contract from the Browns last year, very controversial for, for a few different reasons hurts here again, getting paid more per year than Watson, but the full thing is not guaranteed in the way that Watson's was. And Lamar Jackson sitting there in, in Baltimore, not in Baltimore, whatever his future is. Um, obviously watching the market, watching the market, Joe Burrow as well, watching the market for quarterbacks, uh, both guaranteed money and non-guaranteed money, how that is is evolving for sure. Who's got the most leverage? Joe Burrow, the dude in uh, the dude in Buffalo, 
Uh, who's got the most left? So I think uh, Josh Allen just recently signed his his contract. Oh, I think okay. so. Did so did Mahomes? I mean, I the I would say it's 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 Lamar Jackson would be my guess, but uh, they're both Lamar Jackson and, and Joe Burrow are going to get the bag in some in some capacity. It seems more likely that Joe Burrow stays put at this point than than Lamar does, but um, but we'll see. I think Lamar Jackson's also representing himself. Is that right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think it's uh, it's a, so. So we'll see. That also adds a little wrinkle to, to those negotiations. I wonder. I wonder uh, if Nicole well. then picked up the phone and said, "Hey, <laughs> if, hey. you may have seen <laughs> that I did this deal recently. I know you're representing yourself. I'm also available on an hourly basis. It may be two hundred fifty thousand dollars an hour, <laughs> but I'm available on an hourly basis to help you and your family negotiate this contract. Um, I, I do have references on the bottom of my LinkedIn page." Um, his name is Jalen Hurts. So I think you may know Jalen. Maybe if you're on the field together, you may want to ask him about the deal I did for him. My average quarterback contract signed is a $50 million a year contract. Exactly. So we, we can talk. All right. Speaking of talking, um, we were talking earlier today, and I, I you hate when I do this, but I showed you... And again, it's sports business because it, this is all just sport content. More than ever before, sport is content. I threw out a supposition that I don't often bestow this word upon many people, as you know, but I am now entertaining the thought that Ryan Reynolds is a genius, hmm. that he's a genius. Like This guy uses everything with, with Wrexham as a content opportunity. Obviously, he knows all about content, but if you haven't seen it, folks, he did a video for his partner, and I, and I know the name is Rob McElhenney, and I know that because his birthday video to Rob was pretty much an entire video on how people don't know how to pronounce his name. And I'm sitting around the office going, McElhenney, and you're, and you're so upset with me now because now it's stuck in your head. It is. I think we should attach this to the Sportacast of people who have not seen the video. They got a whole bunch of Wrexham supporters. They're in the bar. They're at the field. Um, they're in the bathroom where they donated the memorial urinal to Rob last year for his birthday. So if uh, if you don't mind going McElhenney for like weeks at a time, go check out the video. And it's just where we're headed in sports is content, whether it's Netflix and we talked about their streaming rows, doesn't matter. It's just about everything in sport is now about how do we amplify it? How do we get out there? How do we get new fans? Who's going to love it? Who's going to see it? How are they going to get? And it's just, uh, I think, Ryan, if I'm, if I am Gary Bettman, and I know yeah. it's high bid, and I get it. it. It's an estate sale for the Ottawa Senators. But clearly, Canadian Ryan Reynolds wants to be involved. He's aligned himself with a group. And even if his group doesn't get it, of sure, he st- doesn't mean he can't then align with somebody else. But I am working overtime to get Ryan Reynolds involved with this franchise because he... He's going to make me, I, like, I really never really heard Wrexham before he bought it. Now I'm watching videos about him. I'm interested. And are they going to get promoted to like the fifth division? I have no idea what they are, but I'm interested. I want to see what he's doing. I want to see not only the, the content side of it, but the sporting side of it. Uh, man, if I am Gary Bettman, if, he, if anybody can make the Ottawa Senators cool and hip, man, I, I want in. I want to see that. And it's not just Ryan, right? Will Ferrell has done uh, a lot of this stuff on a smaller scale with LAFC. I think Angel City, the NWSL team, uh, via a number of their high-profile celebrity investors, including Natalie Portman and Jennifer Garner, they have done this, I think, very well as well. There is real tangible value, and and it's a good close circle to this conversation, Scott, because we began this podcast talking about NBA players investing in teams and potentially WNBA teams as well. Athletes... 
movie stars, uh, pop stars, they have huge, huge platforms on their own, oftentimes bigger than the, the, the teams that employ them, right? LeBron has more, more, fan, more followers than the Lakers. So there is a big opportunity here across the board. It's McElhenney. McElhenney. I love it. I love it. All right. Anyway, he is Evan Noby Williams on the Twitter. Kobe underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Oh, look at him. He's putting another thing on the board. I love it. Put it on the board. I love it. Uh, producer Matt Whitehurst, digital media editor, core development. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the McElhenney Sportico Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.